to avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. Only a podcast. Welcome to the first episode ever, three months in the making of Podcast Macabre. Uh, discussion of all things horror and thrillers and whatnot that uh, you got four pe- four friends together to talk about it. And this is a very rough off-the-fly opener, but hey, it's what you get. So, uh, my name's Chris, and then we have Joe. Hello, hello. Dawn. Yo. And Jennifer. Hello. So, uh... Who wants to start off? I know we kind of said we're, we're looking at our theme for our show today is to kind of introduce people to us and why we love horror, kind of what was our formative things, what, what our preferences are, what we love about it, and uh, just to talk about it, because we've all been dying to have people to talk horror-related stuff with for a while now. Indeed. Oh, horror? I hate horror movies. <laughs> Dude, I'm into porn. What the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> If you find the right horror movie. <laughs> Believe me, they are out there. Or the there. right porn movie. <laughs> yes, yes, they are out there. Because <laughs> we, we are talking horror, not horror. So, I, once saw, I once saw a porn where the uh, camera fell over partway through. That was, that's kind of horror, right? <laughs> it was unexpected. Did it fall on them? Fell <laughs> next to them, and then someone unseen picked it up. So maybe like paranormal activity, porn and normal activity. <laughs> we did make the comment though that Don, Don already said the theme because she was addressing pet issues in her house when she said I'll be right back dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so who, who wants to who wants to dive in who wants to who wants to talk about it first um I can That's... go for it Jill okay um my parents were very liberal about what we could watch pretty much the only thing that was off limits was pretty heavy sex stuff. Um, They had no problem with us watching people getting torn apart and whatever. Um, That's so weird. For our formative years. Um, I remember very distinctly one Thanksgiving, us all watching Night of the Grizzly, um, which which had some gore going on. Um, And that's the earliest that I remember. And I was probably... Oh gosh, I must have been under 10. And we just were chilling out watching it Thanksgiving. Um, my mom is a really big reader. <clears throat> and there was plenty of, uh, Stephen King and John Saul and Dean Koontz and all of that. I actually got spoken to in third grade. There was a conference about it with the teacher and my mom because on at recess, I was reading, um, Comes the Blind Fury in the Corner of the Playground. And evidently that was, creepy to people um but it's just always been a part of my life and that's continued as i was an adult and it's created a very uh i definitely have some gallows humor that gets me through and you know i i it it was i think it was a good way to start (laughs) cool cool. so um i can say for well am i right in all all uh Four of us were pretty much childs, children of the the seventies and eighties. So that's children of the corn. 
<laughs> uh, God, I haven't watched that one in a while, too. <laughs> Meat grinder for the win. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're all kind of, yeah, we're all at 40. You're pushing 40, I'm correct, or slightly yep. beyond. I am pushing 40 so hard right now, it's not even funny. <laughs> like three weeks, I think. Yeah. Well, happy early birthday. Oh, thank you. So, um, so yeah, I, I know that kind of, I don't know, that might be the difference in generations too, but I can say for myself, uh, I actually thought about when I, I, with my blog that I write, that I thought about what was the first horror movie I ever saw. And I remembered briefly, it was one of those last flashing things you remember in your childhood memory when I was like four, maybe, going on, or three and a half or four, that parents used to go to the, the local drive-in you know, good old Plymouth station wagon and have us kids. I've uh, got a brother and a sister that are older than me, but, uh, you know, lay down in the back of the station wagon while they watch the movie. And I remember briefly peeking out through one of the windows and seeing some girl running down the beach and throwing off her clothes as she dove into the water and then screaming as something was getting her in the water. And so, yeah, my, my very first cinema movie I ever remember is Jaws. Oh, nice. But after, after that, uh, it's the whole thing of my, my sister's two years older than me, but she's one of those hide behind the pillows, get nightmares from watching things versus I, at a young age, was a big fan of like how movies are made. I used to get any issue of Fangoria that I could get my hands on and wanted to go to the Tom Savini school of makeup effects and stuff. And so uh, my mom knew that I knew this was fake, so she would, she'd let me watch the stuff at a young age. But there was a night I always remember when I was seven that uh, my mom and I sat down and watched Friday the 13th, the very first one. And I, I even still remember today, it was one of the little uh, uh, chicken Swanson TV dinners with the little brownie and the corn in it and stuff. That's what I had for dinner that night. And <laughs> my mom and I both screaming our heads off when Jason jumped out of the water and tempts the canoe. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, uh, for, after that, the first one I remember seeing in the theater was uh, one of my all-time favorite movies to this day, uh, American Werewolf in London. Oh, and, Jesus. Oh, that's a yeah. classic. Yeah, and I think that kind of generated my uh, uh, Jenny Ogder uh, fixation at a young age, too. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. But I still remember uh, my, because uh, we went, with the, went to that with my mom and my aunt and my sister, and we joked we only needed three tickets because my sister would be stuck in someone's lap the entire movie. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I loved watching it and the effects, the transformation scene and everything. And the only part that I always remember that did kind of gross me out and give me that little bit of a sick feeling when watching it was when uh, the werewolf busts through the, uh, the security door at the theater and pops the cop's head off. And you watch the head bounce off the car and go across the street. I remember that kind of, as an eight-year-old going, ooh. <laughs> but ever since then, I mean, I... I uh, I never have been much of a Stephen King reader, I'll admit that, but I am a big Clyde Barker fan. I've enjoyed reading his books and like to dabble into a little bit of Lovecraft and other stuff as well. But yeah, I've, horror has been one of my true loves, uh, right up there with comedy takes the second place for, for a love of movies. Cause, uh, uh, let's see, last, Halloween, yeah, last October with my blog, I decided to do a weekly thing of uh, what I call it, a global terror threat, uh, horror movies from around the world. And 
it made me watch movies I hadn't watched or meant to watch in a long time, like some of the old Italian horrors, a lot of the Asian horror movies and stuff, and making myself watch those, it just reminded me again just how much I love horror movies. And so ever since then, yeah, we've been, I think that's when we really started talking about doing this podcast was back around October. So we've all been just totally psyched to get this recorded when our schedule's finally meshed up. So. We're all just so in demand. I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that and I'm, I'm the one oddball who's on West Coast time. Everybody else doing this is on East Coast time, so... Yeah, you freak. No. Hopefully I'll join you soon on that West Coast time. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But you'll be, you'll be down south. I'm in Washington State, so... See, you're True like, you're, you're like our Tupac. We're, we're... side? <laughs> <laughs> You're representing West Coast. And today is a good day. I'm claiming the role of Biggie. I haven't had to use my AK either. What a coincidence. But I do like pork with my breakfast, so. Yeah, I don't know what that's all about. I think that's just wrong. Uh, so, Don, Joe, which one do you want to jump in on this one now? Oh, you want to go ahead, Don? Uh, yeah, you go ahead. I'm trying to still formulate my answer. Okay. All right. It might be a little long-winded. Oh, but yeah, I'm sure none of us are, are going to be <laughs> any of our statements. No, nah, I'm so quiet. It's crazy. Yeah, I still, I, I was actually thinking about the first horror movie I saw in the theater, and I cannot think of what it was, but I know for a fact my first horror movie was Frankenstein. Like nice. My parents... Uh, it's sort of the same thing as Jen was saying, like my parents were super liberal as far as what I watched. So as like a five year old, I remember watching Frankenstein around Halloween because my costume that year was those old school Halloween costumes. It's like the plastic mask with the rubber band on it. Yes. And then like that plastic little like frock or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the trash bag. That, and yeah, you get like, the condensation in the mask if you dare oh, to breathe. Yeah, you lose like 40 pounds <laughs> walking around getting candy in those things if you happen to live anywhere that's warm. But yeah, I cannot remember what my first one was in the theater. But I did flash back, though, Chris, when you were talking about seeing American Werewolf in London. Uh-huh. My mother had taken me to see some kid movie, and someone put a trailer for that movie in front of it. So I'm sitting there and I, I like actually remember at one point getting so freaked out when the werewolf was howling during the trailer. I looked at my mom and was like, I don't want to be in here anymore. <laughs> I, I got one to interject real quick there in your story. Cause that reminds me with the, you know, local, uh, I grew up in a real small town that had like a population of like 1500 people at the most. And uh, they would just pretty much post whatever was going to be showing next week. They put tag that trailer on to whatever movie was showing. And I was staying the night with my buddy Mark, whose family, really ultra-conservative Christian, and I was kind of Mark's corrupter for life. But uh, <laughs> we went to see Time Bandits at the theater one of the nights I was staying at his house. The trailer they had before Time Bandits was a red band trailer, because I still remember red as anything on that screen for Halloween 2. <laughs> And Mark is, Mark hates horror movies because he's he's one of those guys who's very empathetic and he gets drawn into the movie and it stresses him out too much. And so I'm watching it and I'm just hearing, hearing Dr. Loomis, I shot him six times! I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit, I'm looking at Mark's dad and he's kind of like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back, back to you, Joe. <laughs> oh, God, that's so great. But yeah, uh, so I, like, I, I still remember that and it, 
I started out like Frankenstein and then rolled through the rest of the universal monster stuff. And then I guess my first like proper, proper horror film was Night of the Living Dead. I remember my father showing that to me and like Halloween wasn't far off from that. And I still like that one just kind of blew me away. And I realized like I was addicted to like the adrenaline you got when you were afraid. So that's yes. kind of like my intake into the horror realm. And then from there, I lived in Virginia Beach. My father was in the Navy. We were stationed there. And I remember a kid down the street moved out, and they threw out all his comic books. So he was a little bit older than the rest of us. So, like, me and all my friends ran down, and he had just a ton of old horror comics, like the like horror vault stuff. Or the but EC stuff or the DC like stuff? Like the EC stuff, like all oh, kinds of stuff. Like, and it could have been yeah. anything else because some of it didn't have a cover. Some of it was, you know, it was missing pages. Mm-hmm. So I remember going through and reading the stuff. And if there wasn't an end to it, I would try to make up an end to it. And I would sit down and kind of like scrawl out this really horrible drawing of what I thought happened after the fact. <laughs> so that like really was kind of my takeoff. And then I'm kind of opposite of you, like, I don't read a whole lot of Clive Barker, but I love some Stephen King. My first Stephen King book was Skeleton Crew. Uh-huh. So the first thing I ever read Stephen King was The Mist, and I was hooked, just straight up hooked. I think I, I actually I actually listened to the uh, audio book of it right before we started recording, just to warm <laughs> up a little. It's one of my favorites, and Stephen Weber reads it, and he does a fantastic job. I recommend oh, it nice. highly. Um, nice. But I was at the scene where um, Beverly Ro- Rogan gets a whooping. I was at that chapter where they've called all the Losers Club back and they're all kind of dealing with their lives as they stand in the present to get back to their past. And oh, I just love that story so much. I, think, I haven't read that in years. I might. I can probably say, I don't know if that might be why I haven't read a lot of Stephen King. I have read a couple of his books. I did read uh, Christine. Which I really enjoyed. I enjoyed uh, Cycle of the Werewolf, and uh, but I think the first other Stephen King book I actually tried to read was The Talisman, and I got like yeah, twenty pages. Yeah, I got like twenty pages into it, and I'm like, why do people like this? And it, kind of, it turned me off a little bit, but I'm always I'm always up to revisiting things. So, Don, well. Mine kind of started at an early age, if you will. <laughs> I didn't have what you would call liberal parents, and I didn't have what you call conservative parents. I had a father who really did not give two shits. He would put whatever was on the TV, and you, and whatever he wanted to watch, you had to watch. Otherwise, you just got out of the house, play ball, whatever. I wasn't up for playing ball, so I would sit and watch whatever. My mom was just naive, and to give you an idea of her naivete, um, not saying anything bad about my mom, but uh, she wouldn't let us watch rated R films. But one time she heard from her friends of this one movie, she heard it was really good, really outstanding, um, recommended highly to her. It was a little film called Mandingo. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) So... She had my brothers go to the video store, rent it, not knowing what the hell the movie's about. And, you know, everyone's in the living room. I'm laying in the living room. My mom didn't realize I was there. Pops in the video. And after about maybe a half hour, 
I'm completely puzzled by what I'm watching. And I just, all of a sudden, you the room's quiet and you hear, so let me see if I understand this right. You have sex, look at the sun, and you die? <laughs> get, what are you doing in here? Get out! <laughs> that was how naive on movies she was. But she didn't have a problem with me watching, there was this, every Saturday in, in Detroit, there was a program called Sir Graves Gasly. Oh, uh, yeah. And every Saturday from, I think it was like from 12 until 2, I'm not entirely sure about the time frame, he would, wa- you know, show classic horror films. And I think the very first, I mean, they were a lot of B-movies. I mean, don't get me wrong, there were classic, classics like Creature from Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, all the universal classics. But he would occasionally show these, like, really, really B-movie ones. But I think my first introduction into what was considered horror and probably started my love for, you know, gorillas was King Kong. Why that to this day I don't know is considered horror. I have no idea. Which which one uh, are we talking? The about? very first, the okay. the original. The favorite, yeah. And that that kind of perked my interest a little bit, but it wasn't until you you know years later, you know, watching all these. B movies, G movies, if you will, but um, you know they didn't scare me. But much like you, uh, Chris, the first horror film, mind you, I didn't see an actual horror film until I was much older. But the first one that stuck with me was Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. They had a thing on one of the local channels. They called it Shocktober, and they would show a classic horror film throughout the entire uh, last week of October. And they just happened to have Friday the 13th on that night. Granted, cut. So where, how this fucked me up, I have no idea. But um, I'm sitting there in my room by myself, little black and white TV, watching Friday the 13th. And the part where he comes out of the water just fucked me up. For a week, I'm looking behind the bed, looking behind the couch, looking, making sure nothing's about to pop out at me. Because it, it, it just messed with my head so badly. Fast forward a few years, um, we went to a drive-in. My, uh, my sister got permission from my mom to take us, not knowing she was taking us to see Beverly Hills Cop. Remember what I said about the rated R movies? Anyway, <laughs> but I'm sitting there thinking, I already saw this. Don't tell mom. Um, and I just happened to glance over at one of the other screens, and what's playing Friday the 13th, part five. And it's the scene where you, um, where you have the two in the, in the woods and the one guy gets his head squashed against the tree via a leather strap. The girl gets the gardening shears to the eyes. And the first thought that popped in my head as I crane my head over and see her boobs is like, oh, this looks promising. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, for those listening, I'm a dyke. Anyway, so, <laughs> Now you fast forward a few more years. The I don't know if that qualifies as the first horror film that I saw, but the one I actually saw in theaters, and this one really fucked me up because I'm not projecting this to be a wuss, but this example is why I cannot watch a horror film in a theater, ever. If I do, I'm the one who's plugging my ears keeping my eyes shut and going la 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 until the scary music goes away. 
this is why. And this will make you laugh. It was a little movie called Tremors. Oh, I love Tremors. (laughs) Now, the movie in and of itself did nothing for me. I mean, it was was a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the movie. But there was these three very large, very overly emotional women behind me. And every time... You, you would hear the music, you know, you know the music I'm talking about. It's the setup. Mm-hmm. And just as a worm pops out of the fucking ground, they're screaming. By the time of the end of the movie hits, my nerves are shot. <laughs> so now if I go to a theater, I tell Amanda, I'm like, look, I'll, I'll take you to see a horror film, but it has to be at a drive-in. Because I have a little bit more control over, you know, what's around me. versus. Yeah, versus, uh, you know, having someone freak out because a worm popped out of the ground. Woo, scary. But they're really big worms. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But so were the women. (laughs) The women were bigger than the worms. (laughs) But I remember, I remember at my, my grandfather, well, my grandmother's house, they had HBO. We had like three channels. So a lot of our, before, VCRs were like really everyone had them. It was a big deal to go to my grandmother's house and watch something on HBO. Now I had my less proud moments, which were riding my bike over there to watch New Kids on the Block live in concert. Um, <laughs> but as a family, we all went over there to watch Friday the 13th part three. And um, there's a memorable scene where one of the biker guys who happens to be of African-American descent um, gets just annihilated, just completely just, he was not in good shape. And my grandfather was a very taciturn man and would sit quietly in the kitchen, which was right next to the living room where the TV was. And all of a sudden we hear from the kitchen, we didn't even know he was paying attention. We hear, well, if you find any black in your hand, hamburger you'll know where it came from and we were just like what the fuck (laughs) but it just like we didn't even know he was paying attention and so every time i watch that and i've watched it you know with dawn a couple of times sort of from our various states and it pops into my head every darn time find any black in your hamburger I can say, I can say for me, that's another one of those childhood memories of the movies. Because uh, uh, I can say I'm kind of like uh, uh, Joe's another uh, werewolf movie fan, like myself. And uh, the Howling is still one of my all-time favorites. And uh, there's still the pit that I, I laugh at because with one of my buddies, we'd seen this so many times between either renting the video or watching it on cable as it replayed all the time, that every time the werewolf would start going after somebody, we'd start going, kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. He wants more, kibbles and bits. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's just some of the gallows humor that you end up developing. And I think horror and comedy kind of go hand in hand in a weird way because they're kind of two of the stronger human emotions is fear and laughter. You know what I mean? And, So what I'm a fan of especially is when you're able to mix those skillfully. Oh, yeah. It doesn't always work out, but sometimes if you can pull it off, it really – that just is like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, sign me up. Do you remember the uh, remake of The Hills Have Eyes? I do. Yes. Okay. Does 
Now, when you guys saw it, at which point did people walk out of the theater? I saw it at my house, so nobody walked out. Yeah, same here. Same here. Okay, you got lucky, because (laughs) we went to go see it at the drive-in, and I never saw the original, so I did not know what I was walking into. And you got the scene, spoiler alert, um, you got the scene where the mutants invade their uh, RV, and they set the, the father on fire and all that stuff, and... It was just so disturbing to me that I would, like, start turning my head and talking to Amanda and cracking jokes. And you got people in other cars looking at us laughing because <laughs> we're cracking jokes to distract us from what's, what the fuck's happening that they thought we're laughing at the freaking movie. <laughs> and all of a sudden you hear, you fucking monsters! <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm not even watching, dude. But... But we always knew, no matter what screen they eventually moved that movie to during the summer, you knew the exact moment that scene was on because car lights would flip on and people would leave. They'd go to other theaters inside the the complex because that's the scene that was like, yep, that's the deal breaker. We're done. We're gone. Done. Well, when I was a kid, there were two horror movies that my mom would never let us watch. One was um, Last House on the Left. And one was, I spit on your grave. Uh. And when asked why she wouldn't let us watch those two, she said they were, quote unquote, nasty. So, of course, the literally within a week of me moving out of my parents' house, I was like, oh, dude, we're having a movie marathon. And I rented those two movies and watched them. And I was like, oh, <laughs> she might have had a point. Yeah. I see. Because that would have been a little awkward sitting with my mom and my brothers watching I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left. That's see, like, my parents. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. I was just going to say, for me, that's where there's some of my curiosity for those grindhouse or exploitation films like that was really from getting the issues of Fangoria. Because you'd see reference to these movies and stuff that. He, he had no clue where to get these. You never even heard them before, especially, you know, the tender age of like, you know, nine or ten. But then, you know, a couple of years after that, you had the VHS boom in the local video store and amazing the things you could find just because, hey, the box looks interesting. And then you take it home, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. This is all sorts of wrong here. Yeah. I can still remember the first time that we walked into the video store. It was like, oh, my gosh, because we, we had only had, like, a handful of channels because, I mean, cable didn't even come onto my parents' street until I was, like, well, had already been out of there, like, a year. So we only had really limited amounts of channels. And so walking to the video store, it was like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> like, someplace with an actual horror section? That's amazing. You're like Randall and Clerks when you get in there, you spin around yeah. and drop to your knees. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> Best of both worlds. Yeah. No doubt. And my parents wouldn't let me watch two movies. I couldn't watch Nightmare on Elm Street because for whatever reason they thought that I would have nightmares about it since it was like you know, dream related. <laughs> and then the, the oddest thing ever, I couldn't watch for the longest time Silent Night, Deadly Night because oh, it involves Santa Claus. 
I remember going to the video store. I picked that out. I walked around the entire video store with that tape in my hand, and my dad kept going, no, 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 no. He made me finally put that one back in exchange for another one, which was the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> so when I finally got to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night, I'm like, you let me watch a fucking movie about people eating people? And that was okay. But Santa, Santa killing a couple it. people and staking someone up on, like, deer antlers, that it was a no-go. Uh, <laughs> so it, it, it's weird that we watch that every Christmas? That was that was weird that we grew up doing that? Oh, no. We definitely, that was no, a tradition? No, because once I started watching it, that was, like, an every year thing for me. <laughs> oh, good. I don't feel bad then. Yeah, I, I remember that as a kid. That with, with Silent Night, Deadly Night was one of those that I don't know. It's I can even say. I mean, the the mutual other shared uh, case that we all have is Kevin Smith, and that's kind of what brought us together through message board we were all on before and stuff. And so I know it's things when when the media gives publicity to something because it's controversial, and like with Clerks, when you heard that Clerks is going to get an X rating, be the first X rating ever for language. <laughs> and so I'm like, I want to see this movie. Yeah, and so, you go all golden retriever, the ears pop up like, uh-huh. oh. <laughs> well, and then along the same lines with Silent Night, Deadly Night, because all the controversy it was getting in that because of the way it portrayed the Catholic Church. I remember there's a lot of kickback on that one. So, very evil nuns in the orphanage. They weren't all that evil, up. were they? Well, but at that time, though. That's what I mean. I mean, it's a 25th anniversary, I believe, just happened this last year for Silent Night, Deadly Night. Did it? Holy shit, I'm old. Was it, 20, was it 25th <laughs> or 30th? Because I just read an article in uh, Rue Morgue Magazine, which I recommend so much more over the current product that Fangoria puts out, that uh, they had a nice article, an interview with the uh, director and writer for Chud. Because the 30th anniversary of Chud. Chud yeah, was actually the first old. movie that we watched when we bought a VCR. My <laughs> aunt came over and hooked it up because we didn't know how, and she had brought Chud with her. That was the first movie we ever watched on our VCR. Oh, nice. Oh, I, got, I got one for you. We we didn't get a VCR till like uh, much later, but I used to go over to my brother's. And he had a VCR, and he had rented. Oh dear God, I, the, the name's now escaping me. Wonderful. Um. Oh my God, come on, wake up, Don. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. It, they were supposed to be documentaries on death, faces of death. Faces That's of it. death. Oh yep. Faces yep. of death. And the very first one, because he had gotten, he had rented the uh, first two. And I was like, check, please, when they're bashing in the monkey's head oh, with the little yeah. hammers. at the table. Oh, yeah. Like that. I was just like, check, please, done. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, that that to me, I, that was my first uh, VCR cherry pop, if you will. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the, it, it took a while to realize that a lot of those were not entirely real. Yes. <laughs> but, um... What was kind of interesting is I had lost uh, a lot of touch with horror for a few years because of the Tremors broads, mm-hmm. um, but I was kind of like thrust back into it because I got into a relationship with uh, Amanda, mm-hmm. and she 
lives for anything that is odd, bizarre, and horror. She has, I mean, pretty much. I've I've often contended with the fact that she goes, I like things that are weird. And I'm like, that explains our relationship perfectly now. And There's no further questions, Your Honor. I get it. You you saw me and went, there's a lunatic I can shack up with. (laughs) But, um, no, when I first started living here with her, she had um, her first DVD that she ever bought was uh, Evil Dead. Awesome. And she has, like, at least three or four. Every time a special edition came out, she bought it. It was like me and Star Wars. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was her with the Evil Dead. Um, But one time, she I'm more of a night owl than she is. So she had gone to bed, and I look over, and I see she's got uh, the entire Faces of Death anthology, number one. (laughs) Number two, she had Last House on the Left, 2001 Maniacs. Um... And a couple other of, the, of these, like, horror movies I never heard of. So I decided, oh, what the hell? What could Last House on the Left be about? <laughs> I didn't go to bed till 7 a.m. <laughs> she comes downstairs, realizes I'm still awake, just sitting there watching a Disney flick. And she's looking at me like, what's going on here? I just showed her the DVD, and she goes, yeah, I should have warned you about that one. <laughs> Um, incidentally, it has been 30 years since Silent Night, Deadly Night. Okay, 30. That's what I was thinking. We're wicked old. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Uh, see, I had, I see, had my... that movie stuck in my head though last, or the last spring because uh, we were getting our drain field redone for our house. And the guy who's the head of the construction company just put a pair of glasses on the creepy grandpa from Silent, Silent Night, Deadly Night looks just like him. Oh, really? every, every time he'd show up, I'd keep waiting for him to say, Santa's evil, he's going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> See, Christmas I, Eve is the know, scariest goddamn holiday there is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I think is missing in a lot of horror now? The old weird guy warning people. I don't see a lot of that anymore. <laughs> the harbinger, yes. <laughs> it was it was really a staple for quite some time, and it seems to have gone by the wayside. And I think that's kind of sad. True. You're all doomed. You're gonna die if you go up there. That camp's got a death curse. <laughs> I was just thinking the same quote. <laughs> well, Don and I have a have a tradition where we have a movie night every so often we have been a little while though we need to oh yeah <laughs> uh, but we we call it our five movie night where we both watch the same movie and comment and do screenshots and and it's and friday friday the 13th is one of our favorites it's one of our fallbacks and what she doesn't know is as i'm watching i'm wearing my hockey mask <laughs> And that's fine. I, I'm wearing a pair of Daisy Dukes and a crop top because that's how the 70s worked in the 80s. So we know which role you would play and we know which role I would play in the movie. We got it now. We got it. But I wouldn't fall down quite as much, okay? I, I would. <laughs> and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be all like, ooh, you know what? I need to run out to that little shack outside real quick in the pouring rain. I'll be right back, guys. What's that noise? Let me go investigate. Let me open the door where the lights do not turn off and holler into the room. Is there somebody in here? Hello? Hello? 
Jimmy! It's the uh, I will say, um, since we were talking about Christmas movies, too, and classics, I recently watched, for the first time in easily over 20 years, uh, uh, Black Christmas, the, oh. the other Bob Clark Christmas movie. <laughs> but it was That one's like, really good, too. That one's uh, a lot of fun. Well, and I forgot, because uh, I admit that when the last time I watched it was probably back in my teenage years, and it's one of those things of, like, it's supposed to be a slasher movie, where's the TNA? And, uh, you know, fast forward, nope, nope. No, well, this is a waste of time. But then, <laughs> I, but then I kept finding out more about it, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's it's up on, uh, camera is on Netflix or Hulu, wherever I found it. But I, or no, it's actually a uh, YouTube. The whole movie's up on YouTube, and watched it, and I'm like, oh my god, this this movie predates Halloween. It set the first person perspective from the killer. It had the inventive kills, hiding the bodies. You have the call coming from inside the house, pre- predating when a stranger calls. There's so many tropes that you see for the first time in this movie and done in such a good way. I'm like, how did I, you know, overlook this before? So You know what? It really doesn't get enough credit, I don't think. Here's no. the thing, though. What set Black Christmas apart from the other first-person perspective killers? Like, uh, when you first have Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, pardon me, Jason Voorhees, but then his first his mother, you know, what, what set Black Christmas apart from the others? Well, it, it did it before them. Because, right, uh, Black, but. But also, you never actually see the face of the killer. It's and you another, never, you never find out who the killer is. He, it just, why did he do it? No Billy. one knows. It's Billy. <laughs> God, that was creepy as hell. <laughs> Again, uh, I, I will say, too, that's another reason I like that one. Uh, I guess, well, we should, I uh, meant to say this earlier, but I guess we should say that, you know, anybody listening who has not listened to some of the classic horrors, we probably are going to be dropping spoilers left and right because we're talking about movies that, yeah, 20, 30 or longer years ago. So they've been out there in the public conscious long enough. There's some twists that, yeah, we'll try to avoid not to really mess things up for people. Well... But... Can I share one? Go for it. <laughs> Do you remember a little ditty called Sleepaway Camp? Yes. <laughs> so you yeah. know the big spoiler at the end. Yes, I do. Okay, I saw... I, I, I would call it the average size spoiler at the end. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. It was cold out. It was cold. Um, it was cold out. He'd been in the water. You know, it was a mess. But here's the thing. I looked up that movie... Uh, before I actually saw it. So I knew what was coming. But when we got to the end, my jaw still dropped. I'm like, whoa, holy shit, this is the crying game. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that uh, that really stands out as just, I mean, a twist oh, yeah. to end all twists. That is, That was some crazy shit right there. I watched that with my parents. I had so many questions that they did not want to answer in any way, shape, or form. Uh, mommy, do all girls have the same thing I do? <laughs> like, seriously, I think, like, the week that came out at the video store, my dad, uh, he was on subs. He was in the, the Navy, and somehow or other, he's the guy that got the movies for them to watch while they were on patrol. So he would go rent as many as they would let him rent and he would all night long record movies. So anything new he would go grab. And I think he grabbed that one the first week it was there and he wanted to watch it. 
And so I wanted to watch it. My mom was just in the room and it got to that part and you could have heard a pin drop. It was just, and I would look from the TV to them to the TV to them. And then I, like, the questions started rolling and they were just like, uh, it's just a movie. It's make believe. And I'm like, but that girl had, nope, nope, make believe. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll pretend. Just, <laughs> hi. <laughs> <laughs> I think during uh, what was it? Was it Rise and Fall of the Slasher Flick or some other documentary? They were saying um, Felicia Rose was saying that the person they got to do that was like an 18 year old boy, or he was a little mm-hmm. older than that, and he just happened to have like the same height, physique, minus the tits, obviously. Um, and then, but with her being 13, she might not have had him either. But they got him, or he got drunk. And they put the prosthetic head on top of him, which was, you know, basically her. Mm-hmm. And he just stood there for like a, a good couple of minutes, and then it's like, okay, done. Uh, that's uh, I just had pop in my head of classics like that because uh, the Shout Factory with their re-release of some of the classic horror they've got going on on Blu-ray, that uh, uh, that was one they did recently, and they're doing the sequels as well for Sleepaway Camp. But uh, they also did a uh, Motel Hell, and I, I still have a special place in my heart for that movie. It's just fucking hilarious at times. I mean, where else are you going to have a crazed farmer wearing a pig's head on his head and chasing a guy around <laughs> a butcher shop with a chainsaw? <laughs> and, I'm and, sure and, in rural parts of New Hampshire. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those that always gets to me because anytime I watch The Simpsons, it's the the episode with the. Was it with Santa's little helper when uh, Mr. Burns steals all the puppies and saying they're all standing up on their hind legs like little Rory Calhouns? And says <laughs> that, I always think Rory Calhoun is the craze for this farmer fritter <laughs> with this the farmer Vincent with his famous fritters. <laughs> uh, and then his sister is played by uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's also better known as Beulah Ballbrecker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I do have that on DVD. I've been mean, it's one of those I've been meaning to rewatch for a long time, and I just haven't. Well, when I first got together with my husband, I was shocked to discover that he hadn't seen any of the what I deem the classics. He hadn't seen, you know, My Bloody Valentine. He hadn't seen oh, Sleepaway God. Camp. He hadn't seen just any of the movies that were my bread and butter growing up. Like, we had them pretty much committed to memory. We had seen them so many times. So I, I rectified that. And he, I don't think he enjoyed them quite as much as I do, but he sat through them. Oh, April Fool's Day. Oh, oh April Fool's Day. I actually read the book for that back when it came. And the, the book actually carried into the uh, next day, and the day after. And it was Ooh. weird. Yeah, because you had like some twist stuff going on with that, and some real killings started happening after that. Somebody had a little psychotic break. Hmm. But it was it was yeah, speaking of. Go ahead, somebody. Oh, um, I was going to say, speaking of reading stuff, it made me remember uh, getting in trouble in school for reading something I shouldn't be. Back when the um, I was in fifth grade, they had that book it program, where if you read so many books, you got like a little personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. I was reading nothing but horror, and my teacher actually wrote a note home to my mom to make sure it was okay that I was reading the novelization of the Amityville Horror. (laughs) And my mom had to write back like this two or three paragraph note of, yes, he's an odd child, he likes horror (laughs) stuff, 
I bought it for him from the bookstore. It's okay. He's not going to go yeah. crazy on your class. Honest. Yeah, my, my mom had to have a similar, had to have that similar talk about the John Saul book. She was like, um, she's been reading since she was three. She likes horror. Whatever. Like, let her read. It, it's cheating. <laughs> Appreciate that. The best part was we had to give like a book, like a quick little book report to our teacher to prove we read it. So I'm sitting there talking about, yeah, there are all these dead flies on the window. I had a question. Yeah. Going back to like early horror memories, was I the only one that got indoctrinated to the Twilight Zone fairly early? No, that was that was a big hit at our house too. I still remember the first time I saw Talkie Tina. I hate dolls to this day because of that oh. movie, or because of that episode. Yeah, for me, as I yeah, I've always kind of lived in rural areas all my life, and the only time I actually had cable was when I went to college or my doc, my wife was in college. So I uh, used to have just you know the the standard three channels and PBS if you aim the antenna the right way. So I I didn't get to see I got to see those every now and then. Uh, so actually, the, the one of the local channels did a lot of the Outer Limits on the weekends. So saw a fair amount of those. But yeah, I've always been a fan of the Twilight Zone stuff when I could watch it. Ooh, we also watched um, Tales from the Dark Side. I was just about to mm-hmm. say that one. That was quite popular in our house. The intro to that, though, uh, that always gave me the creeps. Oh, with yes. the where it went from like negative kind of, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. yeah, there is a dark side. <sighs> and the whole thing with the Twilight Zone, um, I mean, I love the episodes. The one that always uh, stands out for me, not the w- more popular ones like Time Enough at Last or anything like that. The one that I always remember is the, uh, oh my God, the um, the guy who. He was in a town, and no one was there. And he, it turns out he's like, the, like an, a doll for these giant people. Mm, I think I remember that one. But <laughs> what really stood out is how it, I'm. I'm a weirdo for intros, but I get creeped out by eyeballs because of the Twilight Zone intros. <laughs> they used to have the thing with just the eyeball opening up. Mm-hmm. It's just sick. Well, so now I, I can't is, look at eyeballs now. <laughs> I think that um, I think my like my favorite episode is actually Time Enough at Last because when I first saw it, it was as a kid, and I have like n- not quite as much now, but I used to sit down with a stack of books and plow through them in a weekend. You know what I mean? And so the idea of this poor dude finally having all the books at his disposal, all the time to read them, and then. No glasses. That just—that's why, just, I, I, that's why me, I go for audiobooks. <laughs> to me, that was scary. Like I was like, that would be the most terrible, terrible thing ever. Like, ugh. Ugh. Now, have you guys ever been to a uh, changing the gears ever so slightly? But have you have you guys ever been to a horror convention? No, um, I have not. I have been to ZombieCon. They had uh, it's folded up since because of piss poor management. Uh, but yeah, I went to that uh, four years ago now. Yeah, they got a a horror convention that happens here every year, and they're usually about weeks apart from 
the Comic-Con that happens in, in Michigan. Not as big as like your New York ones or your, especially your San Diego ones, but I, I have been to both, and I will say bar none, compare to going to dealing with the en masse people trying to meet whomever's there, whatever, for the Comic-Con, versus a tinier venue for the Horicon, the people, be it the vendors, be it the staff that um, monitors everything, and the guests themselves, I have a way better time at the horror conventions than I do at the actual like uh, comic book conventions because it just... I don't know if it's because it's a little bit more intimate and they're very thankful to the fans and all that stuff, but I met uh, Kane Hodder several times, and that guy's a goofball. <laughs> I mean, like, a big-ass goofball. And, I, and I, I don't think it happens all that often, but I actually scared him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reason is because he, he mentions in his audio, audio biography or autobiography, whichever, I'm on muscle relaxers, fuck it. Anyway, um, he mentions that he finds his fans endearing but strange as fuck because they all want, all, they all want him to strangle them, you know, you know, <laughs> throttle them, choke them a little bit. And I've got a lovely picture on my Facebook page where he's got his hands, not only his arm doing like a headlock, but he's got his hands around my throat. And after doing both of them, I said, Probably should have told you this, but I got three degenerative discs in my neck, <laughs> and he just got real ashen. And he's like, I didn't want to paralyze you. I'm like, oh, dude, it's going to take more than you to do that. Can you imagine the bragging rights being like, Jason Voorhees totally paralyzed me. <laughs> <laughs> I got fucked up by Jason Voorhees. You can suck on that, Freddy Krueger. Well, I think the difference between like a big event like a comic con and a smaller event like a horror con is horror really isn't for everyone there when you look at horror there are vast swaths of people who just are not interested with that whole thing whereas with comics and that sort of there's something for everybody like you have your you know anime and you have your this and that and superheroes and you know whatever you can be a little bit more mainstream you can go a little more in depth with horror you're either in or you're out like you're not gonna to i mean to lots of people kane hodder is not a famous person to us he's dearly beloved and we you know he means something special to us but you're not going to get the people going oh my god i tell a I, I just, I really like this particular book, and they're going to go, and no, it, it's going to be horror fans, and that's fantastic. Well, the, the best thing about going to those is you can talk to them about anything. I spent a good 15, 20 minutes talking to uh, Mr. Cryptkeeper himself about hockey. <laughs> you know, because he was wearing a hockey jersey, I was wearing my Jason uh, Voorhees jersey and all that stuff, and... Uh, I made mention that I, I play street hockey and all that stuff, and we just spent a good portion just talking hockey. And with uh, what's oh, who was it? Um, Dee Wallace? You know oh, how she's yeah. she's known for the howling, but she's also known for ET. But and apparently Cujo. she oh and Cujo, but she's also a bit of a perv. 
Um, she wanted to, t- Amanda doesn't like getting her picture taken all that much, but, um, you know, I had my picture taken with D. Wallace, and D. Wallace sees her, and she goes, can I take my picture with you? And she, Amanda kind of looks at me and goes, she's not much of a talker, but I'm sure she'd enjoy it. <laughs> so I kind of push her over to her, and, you know, Amanda's kind of nervous, and D. Wallace comes in real close to her ear, and she goes, I, I can sense you're nervous, but let, let me put your mind at ease. Whenever I have someone that, you know, wants to take my picture and I want to put on a big, broad smile and I'm just about ready to take the picture. And you look it up on Facebook. You see a before picture and the after picture. The before pictures, I just happen to hit it. And she goes, you know what I, what I think about? Click. Sex. Click. <laughs> the look on Amanda's face, I'm like, oh, this is what you think of, huh? You, you just start laughing your ass off. Is that it? I get it now. Okay, that's why the lights are out. I get it. But, yeah, she she was, um, me and her talked a good portion, believe it or not, about dancing, which I'm not a dancer by any stretch of the imagination, but we were noticing there's a picture on her table. Of her, I think it was a uh, stunt person in the St. Bernard suit and some other guy, and they were doing the (laughs) (laughs) can-can. So that's a picture we ended up buying and having her autograph, but we just talked about dancing. It's funny you say that. I met Tony Todd in May, last May, at C2E2 in Chicago. And we talked, uh, my friend Tony, I went out there and stayed with him, and he took me out there. And he had actually met Tony before and hung out with him, like, after a convention. Like, went out clubbing, drinking, listening to music. I had, I think, like a 15, 20-minute conversation. We never talked about movies once. It was all food and music. He's the loveliest guy. I got a picture with him. He actually signed a mirror for me that I have in my office now. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> but he couldn't be like the nicer, the nicest guy in the world, you know. It, it, like we didn't talk movies or horror at all. Uh, ever with the with ZombieCon, I didn't. I had some brief conversations with a couple people, but I was it was the first time really going to a convention like that and actually going up and getting some autographs and pictures and stuff. So I, was, I had that little bit of awkward starstruck. Because the the very first person I went up to and got the autograph from, and she was nice as could be, even uh, with the picture I picked out on, on the table. She's saying, "You remember what scene that was in the movie?" But it was uh, Judith O'Day, you know, Barbara from Night of the Living Dead. Nice. And uh, she, I'm just like, um, uh, um, um, um. <laughs> she was nice as could be. But then, uh, what was that? I uh, shared an elevator ride with Tom Savini that weekend, and that kind of it was almost one of those things of, you know, you don't want to meet your heroes, because like I said, I wanted to, back as a kid, I wanted to go to the Tom Savini School of Makeup Effects and stuff. He was a little bit dickish that weekend, but I now I don't hold it against him after I found out more of how messed up the organization was at that convention, so he's probably just having a very bad weekend. <laughs> so I don't know. I hear a lot of people say he is very standoffish to fans. Well, yeah, I've heard, I've heard it both ways, and I think I, think I caught him off guard. Because we're just riding up the elevator, and I'm like, you know, you try to think of that question no one else has ever asked him, or say that other thing. And I say, oh, Mr. Savini, you know, I was really surprised to see you show up in Zack and Mary make a porno. <laughs> and he looked at me like I popped out a second head. <laughs> I think I had him sign my Zack and Mary uh, 
porno DVD too. But you know, you said uh, it's been rumored that he's kind of standoffish with some of the sometimes with the fans. Yeah, I've heard it both ways with with him, depending on who I've talked to. So yeah, because he was he's usually pretty much a staple at the the Motor City Comic Con, and I met him the first year I decided to go. He was actually very delightful. You know, we talked about Grindhouse movies and how we both must have had, like, relatives that were obviously related to each other because they took kids, i.e. us, to see these types of movies. <laughs> and, you know, he, he was just a very nice guy, and I, I felt sorry for him. Um, I think it was either the, the next year or the year after that. He was at his table. No one was going up to him. And he's just standing, wow. you know, sitting there just looking side to side. And I'm looking side to side like, what is wrong with you people? Don't you know who this is? It's John fucking Savini. Come on. See, because uh, the row of tables they had, you had uh, uh, Judith O'Day. Then you had uh, Tom Savini. And then you had uh, the actress that was Bicycle Girl, the, the zombie in the, the first episode of The Walking Dead. She, God, she's skinny as a rail. She looks so emaciated. <laughs> But then you had uh, Bill Mosley and uh, Sid Haig. Oh, God, that would have been a great lineup. Oh, yeah, I got, I got both there. Been Mosley, I don't know, he gave me, again, I don't know if I just said the wrong thing or not, because I just watched, uh, it was some shitty, shitty horror movie that had Cuba Gooding Jr. in it, to where they like, they're raiding some ancient crypt or pyramid or something. I cannot remember the name of the movie off the top of my head. He remembered it when I mentioned it because he's got a brief bit as like this possessed zombie that's in the crypt that he's on, he's only on screen for less than two minutes. But I told him, I said, that was the best thing out of that whole movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sid, Sid Haig was, oh, nice as could be. He was very affable and, and great guy. And then, uh, who else was there? Um, I did get to watch a screening because it was like the uh, 20th anniversary for uh, Day of the Dead. So they had a lot of the Day of the Dead stars there, and I got to uh, sit through a Blu-ray screening of it with uh, uh, Jareth, uh, what's his name, the, the 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 Irish helicopter pilot from the movie. Okay. And then uh, also, I didn't go to see, they had a screening also for the, uh, I think then it was the 30th anniversary for Zombie, the the good old Italian classic where you got a shark fight and a zombie underwater. And the, the and eyeball the eye getting plucked, yes. yes. I couldn't wear contacts for the longest time because of that movie. <laughs> I don't think that's why I wear contacts. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ian uh, McClellan, uh is it Ian McCallum? McCallum? I know I'm screwing up his name, but I got a picture with him too because I, I did the whole VIP pass thing and did the meet and greet and got to meet with uh, uh, Sam Trammell too. Sam Trammell, the who played Sam Merlot on True Blood. I love he, him. Oh, he is he is the nicest person you will ever meet because I, I i did the whole thing as usual I'm, i i overthink the questions i'm a thinker so i'm sitting there like when the q a's and i'm like i gotta ask that question no one else asked i gotta ask that question no one else asked and so i stepped up to the mic and i said okay so usually you spend most of your time it's changed into a dog or, or an owl or whatever other animals you always change into but i know there's been talk of other actors on the show saying how they interact with the animals but you're always an animal so you never act or interact with them much what was it like in the scene that you shot when your brother Tommy turned into the alligator in the back of the in the back of the truck? <laughs> and he goes, "Oh God, I forgot all about that scene. That's a good question. That's a good question." <laughs> and he got all. And I mean, he actually stood up up from behind the table, and he's like, "Okay, so 
we're sitting there, and I know this thing's like 400 pounds of gator in the back of this truck. But they're saying, okay, just, you know, going to open the doors, and you're just going to jump back, you know, with the startle. And then he finds out from the trainers that there's like a eighth-inch monofilament wire that's holding one of the legs, not, not, not two, one leg of this alligator in the back of the truck so it doesn't jump out at him. <laughs> but, yeah, he's like, oh, man, that was a good question. And saw him the next day at the meet and greet for pictures with, with my wife. And he's like, and I told him, he was already excited that weekend because he had just had uh, his wife had their twins like two weeks before that. So he was all gushing for that. But um, Tom was such a dick. <laughs> Incidentally, <laughs> Tommy was totally a dick. Yes, he was. I, will, <laughs> I will say um, my one highlight, the, the other highlight of that weekend, that's just freaking hilarious. Uh, I, <laughs> when Norman Reedus, Norman Reedus was there for Walking Dead stuff too, both him and uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, the two of them together, the Boondock Saints man, there, I've seen them at two different conventions now together. They like to party. They I was about to say, like I would love to go to a bar with those guys. Well, they, they had a panel at the convention that was called Drinking with the Saints. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, but the, the next day, uh, there was one brief panel that morning. You could see Norman looked a little bit hungover, but they're saying, well, he's got to cut out early because he's, they're still shooting in Georgia because this convention was, uh, yeah, around the time when they would have been shooting stuff. Anyways, um, so I'm getting ready to leave from the hotel and I'm pulling my truck around front. And I used to have a Zomco bumper sticker, Zombie Apocalypse Insurance. <laughs> and I pull up to the front of the the, the hotel there uh, that is at the SeaTac International Airport, the Hilton. And uh, I'm pulling around, and I see, uh, I think the guy's name was Ryan, the organizer of the convention. And I wanted to talk to him about one of the other assistants who'd been there. That the guy had been very helpful. I mean, he even had a tactical leather kilt. I mean, you cannot forget this dude. But I'm pulling up to the front of the hotel, and all of a sudden I see Ryan actually coming over to my truck. And before I get on, it's like, hey, you know, we're in a little bit of a bind here. You think you could give Norman a ride over to the airport? And oh. I'm like, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah, I, start totally. out the, I start cleaning out the back of my truck because there's a lot of stuff from, from traveling on the road. And all of a sudden, he, Ryan kind of looks at me sideways and he's like, um, you are with the convention, aren't you? And he says, no, I'm here as a guest, man, but I'm happy to do this. And he's like, oh, okay. Uh, and so they, they grabbed another assistant person to write with us so I didn't kidnap Norman. But even, even, even Norman was, he was a total, totally nice dude. He's like, you sure this is no problem, man? Don't want to put you in a binder. I'm like, oh, no, man, no problem. I mean, if anything, it makes for a great story for me. And he's like, yeah, right on. And so, but then he got in the truck and the, the assistant that was riding with us and, uh, we're just going across the freeway to the airport there. And she's like, well, what did you think of our convention, Norman? And he starts going, you guys did this wrong. 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 You shouldn't have done this. You should have done that. No, you shouldn't have done this. And yeah, he wasn't very happy <laughs> with the convention, but he was nice as could be for me. You know, got to his gate, shook my hand, jumped out of my truck. So that's awesome. <laughs> Well, just think, if the zombie apocalypse had happened to strike right then, you'd have been set. Hell yeah. You'd have been all set. You'd have Daryl well, in had He only had a little tiny bag, though. He didn't have his crossbow with him. That's cool. There's weapon stores. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any, any good uh, running into horror people stories, because, well, I'm in New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> And nothing <laughs> happens really close by. Although, I will say, if there is a zombie apocalypse, come to New Hampshire. There's mountains and shit that, like, nobody's on, like, three quarters of the year. So, we'll be set. 
We'll just loot a bunch of stores, get a bunch of food and everything, and just head up there. So, what else do we want to chat on? I, guess we um, I actually remembered the first horror movie I saw in the theater. Aha. Uh-huh. It, uh-huh. it was um, Halloween 5. <laughs> I went with my then best friend. We were 12 or 13 at the time. And we were supposed to go see something else that was stupid. And then um, we got there and realized that Halloween 5 was playing and we flirted with the ticket guy because we were way young and we didn't have a grown up with us and he led us into Halloween 5 and I mean the movie is eh but it was pretty awesome to see a horror movie on the big screen because I'd never done that so that was pretty uh, pretty kick ass that's where I can thank my parents because my mother would always go buy tickets to whatever horror movie I wanted to see with all my friends, and she would be our, like, parental person. And she would sit there quiet as could be, and the rest of us would watch the movie and be all loud and, like, rowdy. Yeah, my, my parents, we they felt as though uh, movies were generally a waste of money as far as going to them when we could just watch them at home. So it was a pretty big deal to, like, go out to the movies. 